Hi, this is the Poetry Corner with Dr. Timothy Bartell at the St. Constantine's School. Today we're going to be talking about a sonnet, one of my favorite sonnets, by the contemporary Scottish poet Don Patterson. Patterson is a Scottish poet. He was born in 1963. He currently teaches at the University of St. Andrews. And I have, I have a story about Don Patterson. Uh, most, most of the poems I've talked about in this podcast before, I highly respect the poets that wrote them, but I have never seen, let alone talked to the poets. I bumped into Don Patterson on a bus once on my way to St. Andrews where I was doing grad work and got to fumblingly say, I like your poetry, I think you're interesting, and he mumbled some opaque things in a heavy Scottish accent and hustled off to get some coffee. But if he ever hears this, I would like to thank him for saying hi to my bumbling praises uh, from a uh, timid grad student. Don Patterson is the first poet that we're going to talk about who doesn't at least consider himself in the larger Christian poetic tradition. When I heard him read a few years ago in Edinburgh, Patterson talked about how he recently experienced a conversion away from theism. One of the things that I like about the two poems that we're going to look at, though, are a strong engagement with the Christian poetic tradition, even as there's, I think, a doubt, an agnosticism, we might say, in the poet about metaphysical and theological questions. The sonnet I want to look at is called Waking with Russell, and it's one of his better known poems these days, and I find it to be one of my favorite sonnets that's been written in the last decade or two. Uh, This was first published in 2003, in a book called Landing Light, which was Patterson's third collection and won several prestigious prizes, including the T.S. Eliot Prize, one of the highest poetry prizes in the UK. So this is Waking with Russell. Whatever the difference is, it all began the day we woke up face to face like lovers, and his four-day-old smile dawned on him again, possessed him, till it would not fall or waver, and I pitched back not my old hard-pressed grin, but his own smile, or one I'd rediscovered. Dear son, I was mezzo del camin, and the true path was as lost to me as ever, when you cut in front and lit it as you ran. See how the true gift never leaves the giver, Returned and redelivered, it rolled on until the smile poured through us like a river. How fine, I thought, this waking amongst men. I kissed your mouth and pledged myself forever. I have to admit that I always get teary when I read this poem. This is one of two sonnets in Landing Light that are published back to back, which were written to the speaker's sons. I don't know whether... Don Patterson himself has a son named Russell. I would suspect he does. But this is a poem that seems to describe a pretty basic scene, something that if anyone has ever had small children, one will remember, uh, perhaps with weariness, that waking up and realizing, yes, here I am, I've fallen asleep trying to get my infant child back to sleep, uh, and here they are smiling at me. That smile, I think, can sometimes seem a bit of a mockery. Ah, you tried to get me to sleep, and here I am smiling. But what Patterson does with this very common experience 
an experience that's not always uh, totally positive. Weary parents all over will agree with me. He's turned it into a meditation, really, I think, that goes back to the Italian Renaissance and even Italian medieval poetry. As we talk through the sonnet, I'll try and point out why I think that's so. Let's start at the beginning and do a close read of it. Waking with Russell. Whatever the difference is, it all began the day we woke up face to face like lovers. This is an interesting beginning, partly because it says whatever the difference is, as if we had already been introduced to a difference, and now he's going to meditate on a difference. Of course, we have no idea what this difference is, and it intrigues us. Whatever the difference is, it all began. This is a sonnet. It's 14 lines long, and this first line is sort of a loose iambic pentameter. The beginning of the line is just a little bit a variation on iambic pentameter. Whatever the difference is, it all began. By the end of the line, we have that easy da-da-da-da-da-da iambic rhythm, but there's a little extra unstressed syllable with the whatever the difference is. This is something that contemporary poets, especially Patterson, will do often when they write sonnets. Uh, There's sort of a misconception that contemporary poets don't write in meter much anymore. Someone like Patterson, who I would argue is one of the finest living poets in the UK, if not the world, really kind of puts the lie to that. There is a formal tradition in English poetry. It hasn't been abandoned, though it has been abandoned by some major poets, perhaps a majority of major poets. But Our greatest poets can still write a sonnet pretty darn well. But there's a casualness to Patterson's language that I think is following in a sort of Robert Frost tradition. Frost, of course, is the early 20th century expert in writing a line of poetry that's so commonplace, so colloquial, that we have to look at it two, three, even four times to realize how perfectly metered and iambic it is. To his credit, Shakespeare has lines like this as well, though we usually think of the these and thys and thous of Shakespeare. There are lines in Shakespeare which are perfectly comprehensible casual speech that are also highly crafted artifacts of iambic pentameter. This is what we get from our best poets. We get lines that seem inevitably clear and common but are formally labored over to the point where they seem easy. Longfellow said of his dactylic hexameter lines in his poem Evangeline, which was very difficult for him to write, he said of a commentator who said, oh, it flows so well, he said, ah, it is so easy for you to read because it was so hard for me to write. I suspect that Patterson would say a similar thing about this poem. Whatever the difference is, it all began the day we woke up face to face like lovers. It reads easy. It's highly crafted. Also, we have this face to face like lovers. This could be a line from any sonnet writer of the past, from Petrarch to Dante himself to the great English romantic sonnet writers, Shakespeare preeminent among them. And this is actually a little bit of a bait and switch. We think this is going to be a love poem about lovers. It's going to be a romantic poem, whereas it's actually going to be a father-son poem. But there's this intimacy that's immediately established, that there's a face-to-faceness upon waking. 
Whatever the difference is, it all began the day we woke up face to face like lovers and his four-day-old smile dawned on him again, possessed him till it would not fall or waver. Now, four-day-old smile, I puzzle over. It could mean that Russell, his son, the speaker's son, is only four days old. Or it could mean, and parents will recognize this too, that maybe he's only been smiling for four days. Babies, of course, when they're quite small, discover these very, very common things for the first time and seem to delight in them. When a baby first discovers it has hands, it just looks at its hands for a week. Uh, perhaps this is that Russell has begun to smile and he's practicing this smile and it's only the fourth day he's done it. I'm not sure. Either way, these four days old highlight that this is, in fact, a poem about a very small child not a poem about lovers like the sonnet usually is for someone like Shakespeare or Spencer or Petrarch. This smile dawns on him. Dawn, of course, is another word that we associate with newness. The smile dawns on him again, possessed him. Possess is an interesting word here. It's spiritual, but not in a very positive way, right? To be possessed is to have some sort of spiritual violence done to one. His smile possessed him till it would not fall or waver. And then we have a, an interesting movement, that's the fourth line, would not fall or waver, into what we would call the second half of the first part of the sonnet. And I, we have the speaker being involved, I pitched back, not my old hard-pressed grin, but his own smile, or one I'd rediscovered. It's beautiful. Also, this language, it seems so casual, but the connotations of these words are so phenomenal. I pitched back. What do we associate with fathers and sons in our contemporary world, if not uh, the camaraderie of sports? He pitches back. He's playing baseball with his son, not literally, but with smiles. And it's interesting that there, there's sort of a self-deprecation in a lot of Patterson's poems. I pitch back, not my old hard-pressed grin. Patterson uh, just looks like a middle-aged Scottish poet. Uh, his hair is short uh, whenever I've seen him, either in pictures or in person. He has sort of a five o'clock shadow stubble going on. There's a bit of that sort of old, weathered, uh, middle-aged Scottish man about him. And he's acknowledging that. He has an old, hard-pressed grin, but it's not the one he's pitching to his son. He's pitching back his son's smile. But then there's this interesting turn in thought where he says, his own smile or one I'd rediscovered. Maybe that was a smile that Patterson once smiled but hasn't in a while. There's this rediscovery of youth idea here. Not the most complex thing metaphysically or philosophically, but I think for someone who especially has small children, there's an experience of rediscovering childhood, your own childhood. Maybe not always positively, we might see, oh, I remember what it was like to be frustrated in that way, or to be delighted in that way, or just confused in that way. So there's this sort of middle-aged man rediscovering childhood. If we didn't quite catch that as a theme, the next line brings it home in a way that I just find both terribly audacious and incredibly well done. The next line is, dear son, I was mezzo del camin, 
and the true path was as lost to me as ever. If you know poetry, if you know the poetic tradition, those three words, mezzo del camin, you'll recognize as the first three words of Dante's Divine Comedy. Midway, mezzo, in the middle, del, of, camin, the way, the road. Of course, in Dante, mezzo del camin di nostra vita, that's midway upon the journey of our life. Dante begins in middle age, in what we would now call the midlife crisis. Of course, Dante's crisis is a pretty darn big one. He's lost in the woods. The true path is gone. And wouldn't you know it, here we have Don Patterson recreating in contemporary Scottish pentameter that line from Dante. Dear son, I was mezzo dal camin, and the true path was as lost to me as ever. It's not that he's in a midlife crisis. He once knew the path, but he doesn't now. He's saying, hey, I've been lost. It's as lost to me as ever. Now, as someone who loves the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, I'd love to do a podcast about one of his poems sometime soon. Mezzo del Camin is also the name of a Longfellow sonnet about the sorrows and doubts and opportunities of the midlife crisis. So this is not only tapping into this Italian sonnet tradition, Italian epic tradition, but it's also tapping into the American sonnet tradition uh, of Longfellow's Mezzo del Camin. Dear son, I was Mezzo del Camin, and the true path was as lost to me as ever, when you cut in front and lit it as you ran. His son, Russell, the son of the speaker, is the one who now leads him on the right way. For Dante, it was Virgil who comes and lights the path. For Patterson, it's his son. His son is lighting the path again. I just find this very touching. And you know, it's easy, I think, to kind of pluck the heartstrings by talking about parents and children. And I know that at times I have criticized poetry that is a little too easy at saying, aren't children wonderful and don't you just love them? And there's nothing worse than a sentimental poem about family. Perhaps a sentimental poem about one's pet uh, might get up there. But for some reason, I cannot fault Patterson for this. I think partly because maybe I'm getting towards middle age. I have children. I get it. I think that this is a poem of common experience where we just feel lost as parents and our children somehow light something up for us. And even as I say that, it sounds cheesy. Why does it work in Patterson? I would argue that it's the form. This is an iambic pentameter sonnet. And if we track the rhyme scheme up until what we've read, the rhyme scheme is actually very strange. Uh, usually a sonnet will have an ABBA, ABBA, CDE, CDE rhyme scheme. That's the Italian rhyme scheme of Petrarch, which Milton uses and others. Or there will be the English or Shakespearean rhyme scheme, ABAB, CDCD, EFEFGG. Let me read the rhyme words in this sonnet. Began, lovers, again, waver, grin, discover, come in, ever, ran, giver, on, river, men, ever. That's an A-B, 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 A-B rhyme scheme. Seven times over A-B. 
Now, there's a little bit of variation, what we would call slant rhyme. Began and again don't exactly rhyme, but they're slant enough, as Emily Dickinson liked a lot. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Use all the rhymes, but use them slant. It's similar enough in its sound that this is a bit virtuosic, in fact. It's a very casual sounding poem about a potentially very sentimental and sentimentalized topic, but in iambic pentameter and a rhyme scheme that uses one end rhyme seven times and the other end rhyme seven times, Patterson is, I think, showing off a little bit. He's saying, oh, you think it's sentimental to write about my baby son and his smile and how as a parent I'm delighted by that even though I'm usually a grumpy, crabby old poet? Well, why don't I do it using a rhyme scheme that most poets don't use because it's really hard. I give him credit, I give him props. Let's look at the end and conclude. See how the true gift never leaves the giver. Returned and re-delivered, it rolled on until the smile poured through us like a river. This is beautiful. The river imagery is common in poetry, common in Dante. There are many rivers in Dante. But it's interesting that the river here is a smile. We might think of the smile as, I don't know, a bright, shiny thing. But no, the smile is a river that connects the father and the son here. It's a riff on some common images that aren't often put together. It poured through us. There's a reciprocity to this. He says, the true gift never leaves the giver returned and re-delivered. This, I think, harkens back to this idea that the speaker is not smiling a new smile taught to him by his son, but he's seeing in his son a smile that he passed on, that he used to smile but forgot, and his son is re-delivering it to him. And he is giving it to his son, and the son is giving it back. And there's this reciprocity of smiling, just as there's a reciprocity of, well, things like genetics in families, in fathers and sons. Finally, the last two lines. How fine, I thought, this waking amongst men. I kissed your mouth and pledged myself forever. This last line, if we found it in Shakespeare or Petrarch, would once again be this romantic man and woman thing. But instead, it's this parental thing. It's this, he pledges himself to his son. He brings his smile up to the smile of his son and sees it and claims it as a pledge. I think that this poem, and poems so formed like it, can teach us how to consider renewal, can teach us how to consider what it means to be midway down the road of life and too old to smile and tired. They teach us through the artifice, through the labored, formed, metered language, how to talk about common experience that's difficult, how to once again pledge ourselves to, well, really the work of life, which is the work of love, which is the work of reciprocity, in this poem, in Dante, in Petrarch, in Shakespeare, and hopefully in our own lives. This has been Timothy Bartell for the Poetry Corner at the St. Constantine School. Thanks for listening.